Ava, the reviews are in. Oh, please tell me they're good. I'll let you decide. Trace material is so good at making information easy to understand, while not dumbing anything down for the listener. Also, it gives great conversation starters. I've already had great talks with my parents about stuff y'all bring up. Hey, that is good. You know what else is good? More ratings and more reviews. Do your good turn today and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave Trace Material a review. Seriously, we are so grateful to all of our listeners who make this podcast possible. And rating and reviewing does a ton to help us expand our listenership. Thank you, good people. Now on to the show. More now on the massive campfire in Northern California, as we said, the deadliest, most destructive in state history. The town of Paradise is basically ash. You can see the face of this building has been ripped off. And as you're walking along, it looks like a bomb exploded across this community, leaving nothing but rubble and heartbreak. Okay, let's turn that off. Most of you have probably heard about the 2018 campfire, which remains the deadliest and most destructive fire in the history of California. As we're recording this episode, summer is just beginning. And with it, what Californians now call their fire season. We're sure to see more gut-wrenching losses to wildfires in the coming months and years. And when our homes and office buildings packed full of toxic materials burn and release their chemicals into the air, water, and our bodies, it seems like the disaster never really stops. But that's not what we want to spend this episode talking about. No, it's not. Today, we want to talk about solutions and the role that fungi can play in protecting our environment from these toxics in areas where fires have hit hard. There's a growing movement of mycoremediators that are harnessing the power of mycelium to protect water supplies and rejuvenate delicate post-fire ecosystems. From Parsons Healthy Materials Lab at the New School, this is Trace Material. Okay, while there's no way around feeling some doom and gloom talking about wildfires and climate change, there are still reasons to have hope. Which is very good to hear. After spending a full season on plastics last year, I think we could all use some of that. One shining source of hope is our guest today, Maya Elson. Maya's got a laundry list of mycological pursuits. My name is Maya Elson, and I've been working with fungi since about 2008, I have been dabbling in mushroom cultivation with a focus on DIY methods and uh, education and bringing people together around fungi is really what I'm passionate about. I I see myself as a mycelial networker who helps connect information and resources and bring them to the places where they're most needed. Maya started out helping to form the Radical Mycology Network before entering the nonprofit realm, where she's worked with a group called Co-Renewal over the last six years. First as the director, and now leading projects around post-fire bioremediation and ecological regeneration. I also lead mushroom foraging and applied mycology and fungal connection uh, workshops through my business, Mycopsychology. I work with kiddos uh, with an organization called Gaia Passages that does nature-based rite of passage work with girls and gender expansive youth. And um, I also lead plant walks and nature connection experiences. 
Wow. Yeah, that is a lot of... And I also oh. have a, a five-year-old. <laughs> Maya assured us that she also finds some time to sleep. She's based out of California and has experienced firsthand the damage that wildfires do to communities and ecosystems. We're going to be talking to her primarily about her work utilizing fungi for post-fire bioremediation and ecological regeneration. We'll get into the details about what exactly that means soon, but basically, she's looking at how fungi can be used to clean up toxic chemicals from ash and debris after a wildfire and bring charred ecosystems back to life. So before we get too far into the nitty-gritty of microremediation and wildfires, I think it's time for Fungi 102. Today's topic is mycelium. If you remember from our first episode, John Michelotti told us that mycelium is the living body of fungi. It's their root-like structure that's always growing and spreading and eating. And we'll let Maya take it from here and explain more about what mycelium looks like and how it does its thing down in the dirt. So mycelium is the body of a fungus. It's filamentous, so it looks similar pattern actually to our, our neurons in our brains or to the internet or to like veins on a leaf or even the veins in our bodies and our lungs, you know, this fanning out uh, network that what it does is secretes enzymes Um, The same way we actually have fungi that live in our tummies that help us digest our food that are secreting enzymes, breaking down food into smaller and smaller pieces and sending the nutrients to the different places where it's needed in our bodies. So fungi are basically doing that for the body of the earth. They are, like I said, you know, mycelial networking. So they're they're sharing resources around the ecosystem and then also uh, breaking stuff down for their own consumption. Okay. So Maya's just described two of the key functions of fungi. Mycelial networks can break down dead plant or animal matter, and they can connect with the roots of living plants to share nutrients between them. Certain kinds of fungi do the breaking down work, and others do the nutrient sharing. The decomposers that are breaking things down are called sapertrophic fungi. The networkers that are sharing nutrients are called mycorrhizal fungi. Both of these kinds of fungi are key to Maya's mycoremediation work, but we'll start by looking at the decomposers. What they'll do is they will uh, grow on, you know, some kind of dead organic matter, you know, a log or a stick or a leaf or the, you know, lemon in your fridge that's been there for too long. And they will uh, secrete these enzymes and break it down into smaller and smaller pieces. So when we humans eat, we pop some food into our mouth, chew it up, and send it to our stomach where it gets broken down and mined for nutrients. Fungi are doing that outside of their body. Once they've broken down their food enough, they're able to absorb the nutrients through their mycelial network. If we didn't have saprotrophic fungi, with some help from bugs and worms, nothing would ever decompose and our planet would be a giant landfill of dead trees. Sapertrophic fungi play a key role in our ecosystem because as they're breaking organic matter down, its nutrients are returned back to the soil so that the next generation of plants and animals can use them. That's why fungi are often called nature's recycling system. The other big group of fungi that produce mushrooms are called mycorrhizal fungi. So myco meaning fungal, rhizal meaning root, and it's this beautiful example of symbiosis. So what happens here is the mycelium will attach to the root system of a plant and essentially expand that plant's root system to give it more access to water 
and minerals than that plant would be able to access on their own. So 90% of plants have these partners and they're uh, super important, especially here in, you know, I'm in California, we're in a massive drought. And think about how hard it is for, a lot of trees are just dying because they can't access enough water. And they really rely on their fungal partners to be able to stay alive right now. So mycelium, you know, this incredible filamentous network, it can grow in all sorts of deep, dark crevices of the underground world that roots would never be able to dream of being able to reach, you know? So they can basically mine for little minerals, pull those out of the soil. And uh, in exchange for all of this help that the uh, fungi are giving to the plants, the plants will then uh, channel extra glucose down to the fungi. One of the incredible things that they can do is support uh, little plants that are struggling. So if you have a little sapling in the forest, um, it's gonna have a really hard time getting enough sunlight. It's not gonna have very deep roots. These mycorrhizal fungi will actually channel nutrients to a plant that's struggling, uh, especially you know young saplings. So uh, not only will they expand their ability to get water and minerals, which is what the you know the fungi are good at, but they can actually take glucose, sugar, from a tree that's having a very easy time photosynthesizing. We call that the mother tree. And so they're literally feeding their young through the mycelial network. When that young sapling then grows up and has plenty of access to uh, sunlight, uh, it'll then give back to the mycelial network and then support the next generation. So I really see them as these like, you know, great balancers of the ecosystem, you know, kind of like social workers or, you know, activists who try to, you know, channel the wealth from the 1% down to down below, you know, and, and kind of even things out. So basically, they're the Robin Hoods of the forest. Before launching into this research, I only knew about the decomposer fungi. And so I just want to take another moment to think about how cool mycorrhizal fungi are. The social activists of the forest? That's super freaking cool. Both of these kinds of fungi, the decomposers and the networkers, are critical to the work that Maya does. The nonprofit that she works for is called Co-Renewal. It began in 2006 as a research venture in eastern Ecuador that aims to understand the abilities of fungi to clean up an ecosystem polluted with wastewater dumped by petroleum companies. Now, Maya is using that knowledge to lead micro-remediation projects that are much closer to home for her. Up and down California this morning, the state is still smoldering. At the campfire north of Sacramento, complete destruction. Most of the, the campfire was a very traumatic event, I think, for, for all of us in California, learning about that, reading about that, um, and, you know, seeing a whole town destroyed. And that was, at the time, you know, the biggest fire in California history. And just for reference, that, that fire now seems small compared to some of the fires that we've had in the last couple of years that are, that are significantly larger than that and more devastating to both human and ecological communities. Unfortunately, the size and frequency of these fires will continue to grow. Maya's micro-remediation work focuses on what we can do to protect our ecosystems after they've burned and set them on the path to restoration. That work starts by harnessing the power of fungi to decompose. You know, we talked about those saprotrophic fungi that are breaking down these different, you know, uh, what we call substrates, their habitat and food source. 
Each of those are built out of these hydrocarbon rings. So hydrogen, carbon molecules, you know, bonded together. And if you think back to, you know, a chemistry class, you might see like the little H with a little line going to a C, you know, uh, you see these rings. They're often referred to as hydrocarbon rings. And what the um, fungi are doing is they're releasing, releasing enzymes to break apart those little lines that connect, you know, the hydrogen and the carbon and whatever else. So the structure of those hydrocarbons are not all that different from the structure of hydrocarbons that are made out of uh, petroleum. Because what is petroleum? It's, you know, dead plants that have been fermenting underground for millions of years and have been pulled up to the surface and then used to make almost everything, you know, like I look around my house and it's hard to find something that doesn't have petroleum in it. And most of the toxins that we deal with in our environment are petroleum-based. So we can, you know, work with certain species of fungi to break down certain types of petroleum-based toxins. And that's, you know, what a lot of the microremediation work is, is based around. Just about every inch of a modern home contains some sort of petroleum-based material. Interior walls are covered in plastic paint and the outside in vinyl siding. The pipes that carry water into our homes are often plastic, just like the vinyl floors. All of these materials are toxic, and the chemicals they contain are working their way into our environment and our bodies over time. Nothing speeds up that process quite like fire. This is where we get to see some mycoremediation in action. So when the rains come after a wildfire, the toxic ash and debris from burned down structures are washed away into waterways. Maya and the folks at Co-Renewal are experimenting with fungi-inoculated wattles. A wattle is this long, worm-like tube of straw used to prevent erosion. You might have seen them on hills next to a highway that have been clear-cut. The idea is that these wattles, full of decomposer fungi, will filter the water and decontaminate it by breaking down the toxic chemicals. So uh, mycelium can act like a filter, and it, it, this filamentous network, you know, is really good at catching stuff. So the idea is that the water, as it flows through these wattles, different things will happen. So one of the things that we hope will happen is the breakdown of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are a big suite of petroleum-based chemicals that are from houses. The other thing that we're hoping for is that um, they'll trap the heavy metals and then hyperaccumulate those in the fruiting bodies and then we'd be able to remove the fruiting bodies. Um, the other thing that we're hoping is that the mycelium will uh, grow into the soil around it and help bring water back into the ecosystem, uh, into the soil as quickly as possible and help uh, hold on to the soil as well and prevent erosion. So that's, that's a tall order. <laughs> a tall order indeed. Okay, let's go through this piece by piece. When houses burn, the toxic chemicals in the materials used to build and furnish them are released into the air and the soil and the water. Our houses are chock full of toxic chemicals. There are VOCs and APEs in paints, phthalates and dioxins in PVC, benzene and formaldehyde in carpets and flooring. The list goes on. And this list is definitely a depressing and intimidating one, but it's really our daily concern here at HML. So if you want to learn more about the toxic chemicals in your home and what you can do about them, head to healthymateriallab.org, where we've got a bunch of resources for you to dig into. Now, Maya also talked about trapping heavy metals. 
And this is a job for the mycorrhizal fungi, or the networkers. Remember, these are the fungi that are really good at mining for minerals deep underground to share with plants. Well, they can also mine for toxic heavy metals, soak them up out of the soil, and then store them in their mushrooms, which can then be disposed of. How wild is that? So these two kinds of fungi work their way into the toxic soil, break down chemicals, and suck the heavy metals out. They're superstars. This is starting to feel like an infomercial for fungi, but whatever. There's more. So far, we've talked about how fungi can detoxify an environment, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a totally safe or thriving environment yet. In addition to toxic ash and debris, one of the secondary disasters that often follows a wildfire are mudslides. So those mycorrhizal fungi that we talked about, they are incredibly important for holding on to the soil. So mycorrhizal fungi create this substance called glomalin, which is actually responsible for holding on to a third of the Earth's uh, soil carbon. It's really important for carbon sequestration, which is one reason that we're, we're working with it for post-fire uh, ecological regeneration. But uh, when you have a fire that burns down into the soil, it can fry a lot of these, uh, a lot of the mycelium and other microbes that are holding onto the soil. And if the trees die, you know, the roots can't hold onto the soil. So uh, you can have these, you know, massive mudslides. The mycelium spreads through this charred soil and begins the process of stabilizing it, reducing the likelihood of a mudslide. It also kickstarts the ecological regeneration of the place by getting the nutrient cycle back up and running. The mycelium is the infrastructure that facilitates plant regrowth after a fire. Mycelium is like the Swiss army knife of soil health. It's pretty incredible how many different ways it can benefit a struggling ecosystem. But the question is, if this process is so great, why isn't everyone doing it? Well, like many innovations in the fungi world, mycoremediation is still a relatively new and understudied practice. If you remember last episode, we spoke a lot about the role of citizen science in fungal exploration, and there are lots of people tinkering with mycoremediation and reporting successful results. But academic studies lend credence to these practices. Co-renewal, in collaboration with researchers at University of California, Riverside, is at the forefront of mycoremediation and renewal research. Field tests done by co-renewal and others have been super promising. And another benefit of mycoremediation is that it's really accessible. So communities like the one Maya worked with in eastern Ecuador that have been failed by the systems and institutions meant to protect them can partner with fungi to clean up their environment themselves. Microremediation is affordable, it doesn't require specialized equipment, and unlike some remediation practices, doesn't create any new toxic byproducts. There's real belief that microremediation can create a path to cleaner ecosystems in environmental justice communities that have long been marginalized by governments and corporations. All right, we've covered a lot today, and I'm feeling more hopeful than before about the promise of fungi to help us clean up some of the messes we humans have caused in our environment. And there's cause for even more hope because we're just getting started with the many applications of fungi. We've seen how they can be foraged or cultivated for food and medicine, and how their natural abilities to decompose and network can be harnessed to clean up toxic ecosystems. 
And the growing frequency of wildfires out west is just one more reason we should be committed to healthier alternatives to the ubiquitous toxic materials in our homes. Maya showed us how fungi can help us rid our environment of those toxic materials when they break down. And for the rest of the season, we're going to be looking at how fungi can out and out replace those materials. We now know how good fungi are at breaking things down. Let's see what they can do when we use them to build things up. That's next episode on Trace Material. Trace Material is a project of Parsons Healthy Materials Lab at the New School. It's hosted and produced by Ava Robinson and me, Burgess Brown, with support from Jansara Ruth and the HML team. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd so appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, head to healthymaterialslab.org slash podcast, and be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at healthymaterialslab. Thank you to Maya Elson for lending her voice and her expertise to this episode. You can head over to co-renewal.org to learn more, and be sure to hit the donate button if you'd like to support their ongoing work. And if you'd like to explore a deeper connection with fungi, check out Maya's new project at mycopsychology.org. Trace Material is made possible by support from Friends of Healthier Materials. Our theme music is Rainbow Road by Cardioid, additional music from Blue Dot Sessions.